Imagine what I would mean if I said the words Nub City. And I'm sorry to say, you're probably right. The internet says it's true. Well, hey there. Welcome back to The Internet Says It's True, where every week we learn something that sounds like I made it up, but it's really true. Part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name's Michael Kent, and this is episode 151. I hope you had an awesome weekend. I'm just coming off a couple really fun shows with my buddy Eric Dittleman. Thank you so much to those of you who came out to that. It really meant a lot to see old and new faces in the audience. Um, So this is a new episode. This one is, but I'll be on the road for the next couple weeks, so we'll probably be playing a couple Rewind episodes coming up after this week. And this week's story is pretty messed up. It was sent in to me by my buddy Chastin down in North Carolina, and it's, well, you'll see, Nub City. I want to give a quick plug for Patreon. You know the folks there, they're absolutely just the best. I appreciate them so much. You can become a Tizzler today by signing up for the Patreon. You can join for free for a week, even if you just want to check it out and see what it's all about. Then you can pledge literally any amount you want, from a dollar up to whatever. You can see bonus materials there, get fun stuff in the mail. And under normal circumstances, you also get every episode a week early and ad-free, but I'm behind on my production schedule right now, so we're not a week early right now, just ad-free. Anyway, you get all these bonuses just for signing up. It's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. The link is in the show notes. So this week... We're going to Vernon, Florida in the late 1950s. But first, let's tell some stories about some dumb criminals. In 2010, a federal jury convicted four women in California of wire fraud, mail fraud, and other charges for a scheme to claim $1.2 million from two different insurance companies. Here's what they tried to do. They invented a man. And they were real inventive with his name, too. They called him Jim Davis. Must have just looked at the Sunday comics and said, should we call him Garfield? No, that's too weird. Odie? No, that's too conspicuous. How about Jim Davis? Yeah, that'll be our fake victim. Anyway, somehow they were able to apply for insurance policies on this fake person, and then they killed him. They forged a fake death certificate and purchased a casket and buried it. And this part didn't make much sense to me. It may have been that they were thinking that the authorities were onto them and they were feeling guilty, so they exhumed the fake casket, and then they filled it with cow parts and pieces of a mannequin, Then they took it to a mortuary, had the thing cremated. How did they get access to the mortuary, you might be asking? Oh, one of the women in the scheme worked there. That's what she did. Uh, They also advertised the death of Jim Davis in the obituaries. So people showed up to the funeral. They even paid some crooked doctor 50 grand to forge medical records to support the fake death certificate. The insurance companies weren't fooled. And when they did some digging, of course, all four women were caught and charged. Just really stupid criminals. Then in January of 2011, Jeffrey Stenroos was working his normal patrol as a police officer in Los Angeles when a man with a ponytail and a bomber jacket shot him in the chest and fled. Stenroos ended up serving a couple years in prison. Why is that? The idiot shot himself. He made up the story about the ponytailed man. Now the motive is pretty unclear here, but he had to pay hundreds of thousands in restitution. He was charged with insurance fraud. Uh, And it was a pretty expensive restitution because when he called it in, It triggered a huge manhunt with over 500 police officers canvassing the area. Of course, they never found the ponytailed man, and the cops were skeptical then. Of course, it didn't help that he had actually confided in one of his fellow officers that he staged the whole thing. But in South Carolina, and this was 2008, this guy's a real piece of work, Gerald Hardin needed a new truck and he couldn't afford his rent. 
So his buddy, David Player, cooked up a scheme to scam the insurance company. The two men, they took a pole saw, that's a saw that's used for cutting off tree branches, and then they convinced a person that they knew who had an intellectual disability to let them cut his hand off. Guy's name was Porkchop. That's what everyone called him, the intellectually disabled guy, Porkchop. So Gerald, who was addicted to crack at the time, cuts off Porkchop's hand with this plan that they'll collect the insurance claims. The mentally disabled man receives almost $700,000 after he let Gerald remove his hand. Then Gerald paid his rent and bought a truck with the money. David Player got 15 years, Gerald got three. They had to pay restitution in the amount of $671,000, and doctors were unable to reattach Porkchop's hand. And that brings us to Vernon, Florida. And this is like deep south. Vernon is a horribly impoverished community and never had a population more than just over 700 people. There are two stoplights and a few stores, but not much else. It's in the middle of the Florida panhandle, swampland between Panama City and Dothan, Alabama. This guy John Healy worked for a company called Continental National American Insurance Group. What a title. That, that sounds made up. Continental National American Insurance Group. So this guy John Healy is an investigator for this insurance firm, and his job is examining claims that seem dubious. Well, they start getting a lot of insurance claims from around Vernon, Florida, all in the same small area. And besides the unusually high concentration of claims in one area, there were a few clues that something was up. And we'll talk about that after a quick break. If you love listening to this podcast every week and you want to show your support, that would mean a great deal to me. You can do that by becoming a Patreon member. We've got members at all levels, whether you want to pledge $1 a month or $10 a month. Just think about the value that you receive from this show. And if you like the histories and the stories that you learn about or the jokes that you hear, and if you think that they're worth it, consider signing up. For that, you get every episode ad-free and a week early, access to bonuses like the unedited videos of the guest appearances, and 20% off all merchandise. You can sign up today at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. That's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing balms, but Unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to theinternetsaysitstrue.com slash deals for the link. John Healy, the insurance investigator, traveled to Vernon, Florida because of suspicion of insurance fraud. Here's how it all started. The first case that happened in Vernon, Florida actually may have been an accident rather than self-mutilation. Nobody knows for sure, but it happened sometime in the late 50s. A farmer had a hunting accident and lost a limb to a shotgun. He collected a modest amount of money, but enough that the poor citizens of Vernon took note. Vernon was a really depressed area. The Holmes Creek, which runs through the town, used to be an important shipping lane to the Gulf of Mexico, but had been abandoned, probably due to the fact that the traffic was now using the larger Apalachicola River. You've never heard of either, and that's how remote this place is. 
But when the traffic on Holmes Creek went away, so did the chance at any commerce for this small five square mile town. So in a poor town, when one guy comes into some money, people talk, everyone knew. And it wasn't long before someone else accidentally blew a limb off and collected some insurance money. According to a 1982 St. Petersburg Times article by Peter Gallagher and Claire Martin, a rash of these stories started popping up in the late 50s and early 60s. For instance, there was the Vernon farmer that took out policies with at least 30 different insurance companies and lost his foot. This guy wasn't even one of the town's poorest, but there were a ton of clues as to why his collection of almost $1 million in insurance money smelled rotten. Firstly, he had a tourniquet with him. They asked him why he had a tourniquet. He said, snakes. Secondly, there was the clue that the premiums he was paying for these 30-plus insurance plans were actually more than his annual income. The most interesting clue, however, was that he lost his left foot, which was tough for the man because he drove a stick shift and he needed that left foot for the clutch. But on the day of the accident, he drove his wife's car, which was an automatic. Or there was the guy that blew his arm off in the backyard and immediately yelled to his wife to call the sheriff, but first find the insurance policy. And it was his left arm. The man was right-handed. A lot of these cases involved people's non-dominant hand or their non-driving foot. Some of them were double amputees, missing an arm and a leg from opposite sides, which was done on purpose so they could still walk with a crutch. One man who worked as an oiler for a construction company asked an insurance agent about what he would get paid if he lost a limb. The next day, he stuck his hand inside a crane. The rash of bizarre amputations even extended to nearby cities like Panama City Beach, where a man at a sawmill accidentally lost some fingers pushing wood through a saw. But the insurance company wouldn't pay up, so when he got back to work, he pushed his whole hand through and collected a measly $1,000 in claims. In total, as many as 60 to 75 people in the Vernon, Florida area got payments because of freak amputations of limbs. 75 people out of 700. John Healy noticed that of all the dismemberment claims in America in those years, around 70% of them came from the region around Vernon, Florida. And they were almost all non-dominant limbs. People started calling Vernon, Florida, Nub City because if you visited the town, it was almost impossible to not see someone who was missing a limb. Over a period of four or five years, people received payments from a few hundred up to a few million, and insurance companies, thanks to the work of investigators like Healy, showed up to put a stop to it. But no one in the early 1960s could ever believe that someone would do this to themselves. There was really no great proof that they had done it to themselves. So no one in Vernon was ever convicted of fraud. The investigations did, however, really put an end to the phenomenon. Also, because the insurance companies started paying so little that it wasn't worth it, even to the poor residents of Vernon, to self-mutilate. The town came back into focus when filmmaker Errol Morris heard about the story and traveled to Vernon in 1980 to create a documentary called Nub City. As he interviewed Vernon locals and had them telling their stories, word got out about his film, the subject and the title and the residents of the town didn't appreciate it. He started getting death threats, and at one point he was actually beaten up by a man who objected to the film's title. It had been a couple decades since the rash of incidents, and Vernon was still known as Nub City. It was a nickname that they were trying hard to shake. In those few days that Morris was in Vernon, 
he became frustrated and realized he was hitting a brick wall, so he quickly changed the name of the film from Nub City to Vernon, Florida, and he made it about some of the more interesting people in town, like a turkey hunter who, if you watch with closed captioning on, you can almost understand what he's saying. Well, right out in the Empire, I heard one gobble, and they done, they, they done left. And I said, my God, boy, that's the best diarrhea medicine in the world. Mm-mm. You hear tur- turkey gobbling, you forget all about diarrhea and everything. Also, there's a scene with a preacher who does one of the weirdest sermons I've ever heard about how he set out on a journey to learn the meaning of the word therefore. I was reading uh, Romans not too awfully long ago, and, and over and over, this word therefore, which is the first word, in our scripture this morning began to pop out at me. And uh, I began to think about it because I remembered somewhere back yonder when I was in school that an English teacher taught me something about the meaning of words. And this word, therefore, had a specific meaning. And I think, well, if Paul is using this word so many times, there must be a reason for it. So immediately I went to Webster's Dictionary And I began to look up what the word therefore was all about. You can find the whole documentary for free online if you want to see it, but there's not a single mention of the thing for which Vernon was known best. As someone who works with his hands for a living, and I know most of you do too, I can't imagine doing that to myself just for a little money. But maybe the story here is a snapshot of the late 1950s in a depressed rural town and desperate times called for desperate measures. It's a story about why insurance plans cost so much in the first place, but also on what our economy does to us when the system fails people in these types of places. It's also a story about stupid contagion, like the people who danced themselves to death in the 16th century or the wealthy people who walked with a limp to be popular. You know, human beings do stupid stuff. The internet says that's true. It's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling comedian Jay Black. If you're a regular listener, you know Jay from his many appearances on the show. He's a stand-up comedian, producer, and screenwriter who I absolutely love working with. I've known Jay for probably, what, 15 years now, Jay? 15 years, which is impossible because we're both in our mid-20s. How is it possible? (laughs) I don't know how this works, Matt. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just weird. I, uh, I've, I, we, we both perform in colleges, um, and, and that's sort of where I have, have seen you and met you, and we've done some gigs together through the years, but we've probably worked more on this podcast than we ever worked on the road. Absolutely, and it was kind of cool because I, I saw, because at some point your name came up, and uh, I remember you gave my son, uh, like you did a magic trick for my son at APCA in like 2009 or 2010, and my boy was just a wee lad, yeah. maybe maybe four or five at the time, dressed in a little suit, and he remembered you. He was like, oh, that cool magician, Michael Kent. Oh, I was man. like, yep. And I love that my job has co-workers that are cool magicians and, like, guys who walk on stilts and jugglers and, like, just <laughs> yeah, it's, weirdos and it's, drug addicts. Those are those what we are call a lot comedians. Of, a lot of those, yeah, those are in there, too. Uh, happy birthday to your son, by the way. Um, yeah, sweet 16, if you can believe it. My goodness. That's incredible. It's incredible. Which is so weird because we're both in our mid-20s, Mike. How's <laughs> I don't, possible? I don't know. You got an early start, I guess. <laughs> Apka yeah, baby. Uh, Maybe he's an Apka baby. Uh, Could have been. Uh, so 
this uh, what last time I talked to you, you were working on some, uh, I, I believe, some Hallmark Channel stuff. Is that what was going? No, you had a movie that was that you were working on. Yeah, a Lifetime. Uh, we're Lifetime. Still in That's post what it was. On that, we have uh, two movies in post right now. One is a horror movie, and one is a thriller, which is basically a horror movie without the blood. Uh, okay. The horror movie will be going to your horror movie channels when it is finished. And uh, the thriller will probably be going to Lifetime. We'll have to see uh, where we wind up uh, putting it. But, uh, yeah, we're both in post on that. We're uh, getting started on a bunch more in the fall. So things are moving nicely. It's You know, you, all I have to do, Mike, is just look around my house and the inspiration to kill just, <laughs> oh, just no. comes to me. I don't know how it happens. <laughs> Uh, so, and I get to write my screenplays and make it happen. So yeah, things are moving nicely on that front. Well, wonderful. Uh, it's probably your inspiration comes from your, you had a shining moment where you were just like locked in your house alone for, um, a, a week or two, right? When your, your two family weeks. was two weeks. Jeez. Yeah. The opportunity for them to come up on this, uh, Disney cruise came along and I had already booked like five days of, of shows, maybe oh. six. And it was like one of those deals where it's like, I, I can't pay for the trip and also miss the shows because yeah. that would be like double negative money so yeah. i was like all right you just go just go have fun <laughs> so i got to do things like every time i go to a show i'd get to go oh my family uh got to see the leaning tower of pisa today but i get to be in poughkeepsie <laughs> and i think i'm doing better poughkeepsie <laughs> is the pisa of new york and it would always nice. get a laugh because the people in Poughkeepsie know know where they live. They do, they, yeah. <laughs> no one, no one's under any impression. Like, oh, we're in the south of France. No, they know. It's and almost all of the cities work for that joke. I mean, there are very few cities yeah. where you can say that, and people were like, "Oh, this is." I, I thought this place was great. Everyone else hates their city. My daughter actually saw a video of me doing it, and they were like, "Aren't." Aren't, weren't they mad at you? And I was like, no, they love it when you make fun of this city because mm -hmm. they know yeah. if they lived in a great city, they would have to bring in me to entertain them. They know. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, Thanks, man. Jay, for this first question, we're going to play for like a street joke. So if you get it wrong, you got to tell me a joke. If you get it right, I'll tell you one. Oh, nice. Uh, okay. And here is your question. Insurance companies investigated a small Florida panhandle town when it was the location of 70% of all cases of what? Mm. I'm going to say that again because that's a, that's a weird sentence. Insurance companies investigated a small Florida panhandle town when it was the location of 70% of all cases of A, arson, B, dismemberment, or C, food poisoning. Well, all right. I was I was hope you uh, were going to say D wokeness. <laughs> I, I I guess since Ron DeSantis came into town, wokeness ain't a problem anymore. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with arson only because what I know about Florida is that, and I if you live in Florida, feel free to reach out and correct me. But ninety percent of everybody in Florida is on bath salts. So my guess is. If someone's going to set fire to something, it would be in the panhandle of Florida. So I'm going to say arson. The answer, Jay, it's dismemberment, which is a more bath salts solution than arson. Uh, so it's insane. This happened in the late 50s and early 60s and only happened for a period of a few years. There was a contagion of people scamming insurance by cutting off or shooting off their own limbs. Uh, like their limb, not, not, they didn't even go toe. They went whole foot yeah. or leg. So there was a, yeah, that is exactly the case. And in one case, a dude, 
worked in a sawmill <laughs> and <laughs> lost fingers at, on accident. And the insurance would not pay him. So as soon as he went back to work with his, you know, nubby fingers, he took off the whole hand. He, he ran his hand through the saw because that paid him one thousand dollars. One thousand dollars. Yeah. Nineteen sixty money. But still, that's not enough to cut your hand off. In 1960, that's still seven thousand or eight thousand dollars. Right. That's, right. At the t- most. I mean. You only have two, unless I guess maybe Panhandle of Florida, they might have been doing like nuclear testing there. Maybe they had like nine or ten limbs. Well, that's Who the knows? thing. Like, you know, the reason that the insurance companies caught on to this was because, well, first of all, 70% of all dismemberment cases in the country were happening right around this one town of Vernon, Florida, which is, it's in right. the middle of nowhere. It's halfway between Dothan, Alabama and Panama City. It's it's really in the middle. Of, it's a little swamp town. Oh. But by the way, yeah. someone has done comedy zone runs if they know Dothan, Alabama and <laughs> yeah. Panama City, Florida. I've been on that road. Yeah, I've done that before. I, yeah, I it's <laughs> Dothan is uh, I've been there, sadly. Yeah, a few times. Um, So the the uh, the other thing that tipped them off was all of these dismemberments were non-dominant hands and non-driving mm-hmm. feet. So yeah. and, and another thing is like some people did it both. They were double amputees. And they were missing the opposite hand from the foot, so they could still use crutches. Wow! Yeah, wow! Still use okay, crutch. here's all. Here's all I'm going to say. Most of those people are still alive, and they're in the villages right now. The villages. And you know who they're voting for? <laughs> they're in the villages with their stumpy little uh, conniving if, hands and legs off. If you are listening and you don't know about the villages, maybe I should do an episode about the villages. That really is a phenomenon that is so strange. It is a, an entire small community and it's not even really that small it's it's like a city in and of itself of like extremely conservative retirees yeah uh, it's it's like the like you know how like in those sci-fi movies there's like they make a community of like who's going to repopulate the earth should it blow up this is like the exact opposite of that this yeah. is like if the earth were to blow up but you wanted to make absolutely sure that the people involved in surviving it could not repopulate it it would be these people <laughs> <laughs> so, uh yeah uh, i gotta tell you a street joke yeah, right? yeah you got one yeah i do there's a guy and a girl and they're they're getting into it it's the first time they're starting to get kissy kissy right and uh the guy takes his uh shoes off and the girl goes oh ew, oh ew, what's going on with your feet and he goes oh i'm sorry i have a disease i have a uh, tolio and the girl <laughs> goes you mean you mean polio and he goes no 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 tolio it only it only affects my toe Oh, okay. So they keep going at it. They keep moving. It takes their pants off. And the girl goes, oh, ew, ew, ah, what's going on? And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. I have uh, I have measles. You're looking at my measles. And she goes, you mean measles? He goes, no, measles. It only affects my knees. All right, fine. Kiss, 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 kiss. Takes his underwear off. And she goes, wait, 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 wait. Don't tell me. Let me guess. Small cocks. <laughs> Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I will. Uh, you find me at J Black is funny. Goodbye. <laughs> Awful. Uh, I did find one for this week, so I'll, I'll share it, even though uh, I don't owe you one. What's it called when an amputee does karate? What? what? Partial arts. Ah! Oh, jeez. <laughs> I would say not hung fu. Oh, man. I'm going to get letters uh, from amputees, maybe. Honestly, I would appreciate it because you don't get feedback when you do uh, a podcast. And there have been twice where friends have told me recently, oh, my friend 
you know, heard your podcast and loves it and they've been listening to it or whatever. And it was so cool to hear because you never hear that. I'd be okay if an amputee wrote in an angry letter just to yell at me just for the human connection. Well, you know, and I would agree. Why don't podcast uh, broadcast software have a feedback button on there so that there could be like a community that builds up around the podcast in the podcast app? Get well, on that, Apple. Well, yeah. And, you know, it's po- podcast apps or it feels like a really new technology and it's not you know podcast has been around for 20 years and uh they should have really figured out like none of the apps none of the podcast apps do what i want them to do right there is not a good one that i have found yet if you know of a good one that you're listening to this podcast on let me know i listen on spotify currently for a while i listened on apple Podcasts. i did overcast for a while i did pod hero for a while none of them do all the stuff that i wanted to do there needs to be some consolidation of the technology there Right. Well, just like when you're dating, though, like you meet you meet members of the opposite sex and you're like each one does like one thing that you want them to do. But they don't want one doesn't do everything you want them to do. But then if you meet that one, I'm convinced it's a Russian spy. That could be nobody. Very much could be could be the case. If you meet the ideal podcast app, you know that the the Chinese are somehow spying on you through it. Yeah, they're using AI to create the perfect human. (laughs) Exactly. So for the next question, we're going to play for your favorite song. You don't have to sing it. Just tell us what your current favorite song is. It doesn't even have to be current. Just like a lifetime favorite song, whatever you'd like. In, uh, in, well, and, and if you get it right, I'll tell you mine. We'll do okay, let me let me think. Uh, lately, it's been. Well, no, don't wonderful- tell me unless you unless you get it wrong. I mean, because otherwise oh. we have no stakes for the question. But um, oh, I so for some reason I thought I was just. I was just going to answer the question. I don't know. I got confused. <laughs> All right, go the ask question. the question, Mike. Sorry. So what a wonderful world we know. So now you have to think of a different yeah. one. Uh, okay, you so for, the, for this next question, um, it, it's this. In 2006, a mother and son were arrested for conspiracy to commit extortion when they claimed a mouse had been in their soup at Cracker Barrel. Here's the question. How yes. did authorities figure out the whole thing was a fraud? A, there was no soup in the mouse's lungs. B the mouse was a small plush toy or C the woman claimed she accidentally ate the entire mouse. Oh boy. I I feel like I read about this article. What year was this? This was 2006. Yeah. I feel like I read about this article. I'm going to say she claimed to eat the whole mouse. The answer, there was no soup in the mouse's lungs so they apparently did a post-mortem on the mouse and they they opened up its lungs and just like they would with a human saying oh this person didn't drown they were thrown in after they died uh they decided that the mouse was thrown into the soup after it died because it didn't have anything in its lungs who who is the veterinarian quincy that is brought (laughs) in it's like the forensic veterinary scientist it's there like you know doing a chemical analysis on the mouse lungs (laughs) Yeah, I, I I was thinking that as well. I didn't know that that's something that they did. And and I want to be there for the conversation when they decided to do that. Well, like, well, we could just look inside the mouse's lungs, <laughs> you know, but but oh, we just take her word for it. And she was, you know, claiming all these millions of dollars. And of course, uh, she got nothing and she ended up going to prison with her son. <laughs> wow. What do you what are you in for? I faked mouse soup. <laughs> Uh, most- I, I wonder in the, in the veterinary community, Mike, honestly, if like being a forensic veterinary scientist is a like a plum gig, like it's the one you want. Yeah. Or is it looked down upon by other veterinarians? Well, I asked you that know? same question about like mortuary or not mortuary science, but yeah, like your your medical examiner. I mean, is the yeah. medical examiner a, a higher 
you know, hierarchy ladder spot on the ladder than than like a doctor. Yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, Dennis Miller had a great joke about uh, uh, that. He's like, uh, uh, Quincy is a coroner, which means he's a surgeon that operates on dead people. How hard a job is that? Like, do you come home and go, like, oh, God, honey, it was brutal. I gained one on the table today. It's an old Dennis Miller <laughs> gained joke. Gained one. Before he went nuts. All right, I got to tell you a song then, yeah, right? Yeah. All right, here's this. I So I'm learning the piano, as mm-hmm. you may or may not know. And I have been uh, I, I go and I learn the different uh, uh, songs and I've been obsessed with Elton John of late oh. because his chord progressions and the voicings of his chord progressions are so kind of interesting and unique. So uh, I want love. And uh, can you feel the love tonight? Which is basically they're two love songs yeah. um, from Elton John are my favorites, because not only can I play them, I can feel them. So, oh, I love big it. Big fan. Uh, this is strange. I I consider myself a large Elton John fan. Uh, I don't know. I want love. What 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 era is that? It's like late Elton John, uh, and I always okay. know it because it was like the only job that Robert Downey Jr. could get post like Ali McBeal when he like fell off the mm-hmm, wagon and mm-hmm. was like you know going nuts. He came back and he. It's just this uh, long one shot of uh, Robert Downey Jr. walking around inside of a big empty mansion, mouthing the words "I want love." So like two thousand five ish, Elton John, and it's just this nice. It goes from a, a C minor to an F minor, uh, and it's just it's just this beautiful little chord progression, and I really really love it. So oh. I want love, and it's 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 a nice little ode to. Uh, you know, I have a different view on life and love uh, than than what is heteronormative. Um, and don't I deserve a little love, too? And yes, you do, Elton John. Yeah, love it. Love it, love it. Now I'm going to look that up right. as soon as we're done. Uh, yeah, I think probably I know more of the earlier Elton John stuff. Um, I think most people do. Yeah, sure. but this one I, is really good. Sure. Uh, for the next question, we're going to play for a sticker, as we always do. The Internet says it's true sticker. Oh, where's my other camera? There we go. Uh, it's square and it's sticky and I got to tell you, I never give these out when people win them because I'm just, I, I forget know. about them and uh, I'm sure you've won several and Eric Dittleman was, was staying with me for a couple of days this week and he's always on the podcast and I, I actually gave him his stickers cause I owed him really? like six and I gave them to him. So now he can stick them on, you know, uh, I told him to stick them on like light lamp posts around New York city and stuff and give right. them to friends, do whatever. So if I, if I see you and I have some stickers, you'll get them all. I love it. So it doesn't yeah, matter if you I, get I, this right. I still owe you some. I'm going to say this. It is the exact same size and shape as a condom. You held it up for a second. And I was like, oh, my God, am I getting an I The Internet says it's true condom. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm working on those. Yeah, it's I please. For, for all the many, many people it, who listen to the show. Who, and, it, and if you get that one wrong, you get a kid. That's your, <laughs> that's your prize a, that's, as a kid. Yeah. And you can come and blame the podcast when the kid, you know, turns into a screw up at the age of 18, leaves the house, ends up in jail. (laughs) It's all because of Michael Kent's podcast. That's right. Uh, Which one of these is actually technically illegal in Florida? A, unmarried women parachuting on Sundays. All right. B, building any structure without first praying. Or C, owning a horse without a name. Hmm. I feel like if America had written a song called I rode through the desert in a horse with no name, but it was I rode through Disney World on a horse with no name. <laughs> I rode through and Tallahassee. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to say the horse one because I feel like the parachute one 
feels like a law that you, is easy to make up. Although we are dealing with Florida. I mean, I could see working backwards from like that situation. Uh, building a structure without praying feels like a, I'm, it's, it's really between those two. I'm going to say the horse one. The answer is the unmarried women parachuting on Sunday. Florida is so weird. We need to get rid of this state. Can the Spaniards <laughs> take it back? Please. What will Spain, Spain, what will you give us if we give you Florida back? What do you want for it? Please. Where did this rule even come from? And, you know, obviously they don't enforce this type of thing. But if you're not married, you can't parachute on Sunday. If you're a dude, you can, you know, obviously you can parachute anytime you want. Uh, but if you're an unmarried woman, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't get there's got to be a story, right? Like what? I want to know the it, impetus you know what of it this. Is? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably say something like this. I, it, we've seen Ron DeSantis turn Florida into his uh, personal attack dog to go after anything that offends him. Mm -hmm. There's probably some governor sure. in like the 40s who had a mistress <laughs> who went parachuting without telling him. And then he just he, he called up the AG and said, all right. Work backwards from here. I got to put my mistress in jail. How do we make that happen? And they came up with a cockamamie law. Yeah. That's my guess. Yeah. The DA says, well, what did she do on Sunday? I don't know. She parachuted. That's it. Yeah. That's what we'll choose to be the and, crime. And, you, and they had to do like a whole public uh, opinion campaign where they were coming out going like, listen, we can't have a woke country where unmarried women are just skydiving, uh, <laughs> skydiving. It's a, we need to return to traditional masculinity where only men and married women were allowed to jump out of planes with parachutes. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like, what would be the difference between an unmarried woman versus a, a married woman parachuting on a Sunday? Uh, maybe that, you know, maybe it's a church thing. Maybe like, oh, she's not in church, so she must be skydiving or right. something along or, those lines. Or unless the meaning of parachuting changed over the last 125 years, like <laughs> yeah. maybe parachuting was like walking around in your knickers or like yeah. walking around without your pantaloons on and I'm, people were like we can't have married women doing you, that jay i don't know if you know this because my camera shot is kind of tight but i'm currently parachuting right now oh you uh, oh in hey. the comfort of my right. own basement by the way that's the patreon feed that's right want, yeah it's the wide you angle want to see, <laughs> you want the wide angle view of michael kent parachuting gotta Love pay 9.95 a month on yeah. advance i will say the bottom half is ai generated um so it's just the way that i feel comfortable that explains uh, why it's a japanese tentacle that's right <laughs> yes. it's got a life of its own it's moving uh you're you're killing it today you're over three uh I, I, listen <laughs> i have three kids i feel the same way about them oh no oh no <laughs> for this question we're gonna play for an embarrassing story so if you get it wrong you gotta tell us about something embarrassing that's happened to you it doesn't have to be on stage but stage is great too if you get it right i will tell an embarrassing story that's happened to me um, and this one I was just reminded of, I'll share it either way. I'll share you mine either way. Cause I, was, I, I, I got a good one either way too. I, I so was let's... just reminded of mine, uh, at a, at a show this weekend from, from a, a great uh, audience member who was there. So, um, it's been discovered that a particular type of insect, the snowfly practices self amputation of its limbs. Wow. Which one of these okay. is the real reason that they do that? A to disguise themselves from predators B to stay warm. Or C, to eat those limbs? I'm going to say, dis and by the way, I thought you were going to say snowflake fly. I was going to say <laughs> they definitely, they definitely live in Florida. Right. And I'm, I'm sorry, there's no D for fly insurance money. I'm going <laughs> to say to disguise themselves from predators. The answer is to stay warm. These are hard today. <laughs> 
God. This is, well, they're, they're all equally ludicrous. They That's are. why. Because, yeah, the Florida stories, you don't know what's true. Snowflies yeah. are a type of flightless crane fly, and they do this to stay warm. So it was found that snowflies actually remove their legs so that ice doesn't travel up their legs into their bodies. These are things that only live for about two months anyway, so this helps them survive the cold. But I don't really know what, maybe that's a, you know, they need to survive and mate with a yeah. nubby, legless uh, mate. I, I have no idea. But uh, yeah, they, they remove their legs because their legs are how the, the ice gets up into their bodies and freezes their organs. I think it'd be funny if there was like uh, a snowfly living in the house of one of those people from Florida that cut off their own limbs and they sort of like catch each other as they're walking through. And it's like, yeah, it's no, like a knowing too. glance. Yeah, you know, the game recognized game, you know, maybe the snowflies uh, where they got the idea. Yeah, the snowfly was looking going, hey, we could evolve into something that stupid. Uh, OK, here's my <laughs> embarrassing story. One of the movies that I was working on back in olden days was being financed by these two guys that like made their money doing um, uh, parking lots in Florida. Okay. Um, now, it just in the course of your life, just knowing what you know about the world, if someone made their money in parking lots in Florida, you're not exactly uh, dealing with a Wall Street hedge fund manager, right? So you <laughs> you kind of get an idea who we're dealing with, right? So they decide that they want to be on set for the entire movie, and they are just glamming up the Hollywood world. They have their gigantic trailer, and they are going out every night, probably to meet starlets to tell them that they are producers. They are living <laughs> it up with the kind of silky, kind of loud shirts that you would expect these kind of guys to wear. So one day I get called into their office and there's a dude there. And I, I know, I know the dude, like, I know, I know him. And I'm like running through like that thing where it's like, did I work with you? Are you a comic? Are you a former student? Did I go to high school with you? Like, how do we know each other? And I'm just looking at him, looking at him, looking at him. And I'm finally like, I'm so sorry. I know we know each other because you look familiar to me. Who are you? And he goes, uh, I'm Tommy Gunn. The uh, the porn star. Oh, and I go, oh, 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 my God. Yeah. No, I knew you from all the social work that I did trying to get your <laughs> movies banned. I had like I knew I knew him because I've seen him in like twenty eight thousand movies over the course of my life. You can look him up. He's a real guy. I, I but like that. You, you realize that, honestly, there is a segment of adult film performer that is probably nearer and dearer to you than most members of your family. The amount of times you've seen video of them more so than like big movie stars and stuff. But yeah, that was my embarrassing moment where I had to take That's a good hard look in the mirror and go, maybe I need to make some changes in my and personal life. I'm thinking about this from his perspective. Every time a, an adult film star gets recognized, you're like the person is ratting on themselves. Like, you know, 100%. it's kind of a, yeah, it's kind of like an embarrassing thing. Like, you know, I know who you are, but, uh, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod. I know who you are. That's... Yeah, we should we should all work out a deal with all adult film performers that anytime something like this happens, you go, uh, we had a uh, third period French together. Go, oh, right, right, right. Third period French. I got it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> that's so that's funny. my embarrassing story. I... And I told that recently on stage. And if I this is this story is how, you know, my wife will never listen to any appearance i make anywhere doing anything because i would never tell it if i knew she was listening <laughs> okay fair fair i uh i have a, a interesting story i was talking to an audience member and she was like i saw you at this event with blah 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 do you remember that and i was like i don't remember the event and then it she told me where the what the venue was 
And then I remembered I was doing close up strolling magic, right? So I'm doing like card tricks and coin tricks and stuff around a crowd. Sure. And I was uh, I was performing for the boss. Now, just before the event, I was doing housework and I sliced my thumb open. Oh, boy. And like an hour before the event. And finally, you know, it stopped bleeding and I had a Band-Aid on it and everything. But I don't know if it was the adrenaline from performing or what it was. It started bleeding again. And I didn't know this. And uh, so much so that the Band-Aid slipped off of my thumb because it was dripping. Oh, boy. Um, Wow. Yeah. Okay. And I didn't realize this until halfway through the card trick with the CEO in which I handed him four cards. And those four cards had blood smeared all the way across the faces <laughs> of the cards. Wet blood. He looks at my hand. It's full of blood. And he's like, did you just hand me bloody cards with your like your blood on them? And I felt so bad. There's nothing I could, you know, there's no recovery from right. that other than just, I, I cut myself. I was, I was leaving the house today. I'm so sorry. I had a Band-Aid on it. It must have fallen off. You know, I'm just kind of right. covering my ass. Anyway, I've not worked for that company since. I, you know what, though? Hey, if you're that company and you're listening, Mike could have called out. Michael Kent could have said, I'm sorry, I cut my hand and I need my hand for magic. But he did what any of us would do. He threw threw some bandages on and he came out and he did the gig. Rehire him. Please. And he will not bleed. I promise this. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, I still think about that and cringe. All right. Well, you're, you've done very well today. If, uh, it's opposite day and we're trying to, uh, if we're doing golf rules, so you're, you're over four <laughs> question five is for all the marbles. And with this, you can absolutely redeem yourself and, uh, you will call it the entire appearance a win. If you get it wrong, uh, you're banned for life. Here is your question. What would it take monetarily or otherwise for you to purposely amputate one of your limbs like eight hundred dollars i mean i could go lower if you only had like not much uh, <laughs> I was say what somewhere out there there is someone who's eight hundred dollars would be you know higher than what they'd say but are we what are we saying whole limb like yeah my whole arm so it could be whole leg yeah nothing nothing smaller than hand or foot so like hand foot arm or leg all right i listen i could go foot for like 10 million okay um, but if you want hand, we're going to, we have to have generational, like I need to be like, it, it, there, it has to be like in crazy amounts of money. Um, I just, I, I, I just do too much. I, I don't know if I could. And I'll tell you this. I read a thing that said people who are paralyzed, people who have lost limbs, they track their happiness, um, at the same level as anybody else. So like if you interview paraplegics mm-hmm. and you say, how happy are you? The number of people who say they're happy is equal to the general population, which indicates or seems to indicate that your happiness is not related to your level of mobility. It's only our imagination of living in a state like that mm. that makes it so that difficult for us. Interesting. So I, I could wrap my head around the idea of losing my hand for $10 million and being perfectly happy but I can't imagine it on this side of the fence. Sure. So let's it's just the say change from knowing what you know now and doing what you do now. Like, you know, I, I, I literally work using both hands. I need both hands yeah. to work. Now there are one handed magicians and there are magicians with no hands. Um, right. You know, and that's that those people, as you're saying, probably are very happy, but 10 million you think is the number. I think so. I think it's, it's gotta be like a number where if like I do get depressed, 
and I can't like work and support my family. I have enough that I could like, you know, hire people to take care of me because I can, I can spin into depression, but I just wanted to make it clear. This is not uh, a discussion of disabled people as uh, being lesser than it isn't. This is just my own hang up of yeah. uh, not being able to get past Man. the barrier of change. Thank you so much for saying that. Uh, and it's probably important that we say that um, yeah. because, yeah, I mean, I know friends who have had limbs amputated due to various different things. And, and uh, yeah, we're not looking at them as. Now, I am looking at these people in Florida as dumbasses. Um, and, oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Those people, you know, to do it. Just, but it also says a lot. Oh, by the way, your your answer is a right answer. So you are welcome back on the Winner. podcast and has redeemed Stay yourself. Uh, I I it does kind of it, it in, it's an indicator of our country and how capitalism has failed these people that they're willing to do something like that just to just to sneak a few thousand bucks through. Right. You know, with those people, though, their dumb assery would like it's like Jurassic Park. You know, it would have found a way had it not been limb amputation. It would have been, you know, some other like getting addicted to huff and paint. Yeah. Or, you know, finding putting a light bulb in their butt and holding on to a car battery to see if it would light up like there's there's a lot of different ways that they would express their stupidity. It just so happened that they landed on cutting off their own lips. Yeah, the so speculation that, is that it happened to one guy naturally. He uh he accidentally shot his hand off and right. uh other people saw the money that he received for that and such a small town. I mean, with this this town is so small. It's like it's never been more than, you know, 700 some people. So, two stoplights, everyone knows everyone and right. at, at at one point the the estimation was 60 to 75 residents of this tiny town had done this. I, so. I just want to go to those places and just go, you know, you're not legally bound here, right? Like you can go other, you could be yeah. poor somewhere that isn't here. Sure. You know, like you, literally you just leave. But you know, Guys, what's interesting. Leave. You were talking about how, um, you know, like people who amputees or whatever the situation be, their happiness is the same. Uh, I would say probably the same for these folks who don't know that they don't have what other people have just by living where they live. Uh, I was watching, so there was a documentary about this town on, it's on right. YouTube, you can find it. And then there was a group of kids, probably, it was probably a college project or a high school project or something that went back to the town like 20 years after this documentary and found one of the guys that was in the documentary who was just talking about turkey hunting and turkey hunting was his life. And at the end, the guy says to the kids, you come here, you live with me for a year. I guarantee you'll never want to leave. And I wow. thought that that was so poignant from like this guy who obviously was not, you know, um, formally educated or anything like this this guy's life was about hunting but he right. loves what he does so much and he he's yeah. so proud of what he does that he's 100 percent convinced that anyone else would too which i think is my, super cool my son constantly quotes the adam sandler bit from snl romano tours where it's a tour company and he's like we will take you to italy but we cannot change who you are. If you are unhappy in America and you go to Italy, you will also be unhappy in Italy. And uh, I think it's a very good summation of life. It's your situation does not determine who you are. You determine who you are. And if uh, you think a change in situation will fix that, it won't. Yeah. It also probably won't hurt it. You got to figure out who you are first. So and that is a, a wonderful, wonderful place for us to end on. Tell everyone where they can find out about your latest project or your many stand-up appearances around the country. 
So the best place is probably jblack.tv. That's J-A-Y-B-L-A-C-K.tv. It is a hub that has all my uh, my TikToks and, and Facebooks and YouTubers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, just pick whatever platform you most prefer and follow me there. Uh, everything is updated twice a day, and my schedule is always posted. So new stuff twice a day, every day, until I'm either famous or dead. Right, we're going to figure it out. We'll <laughs> and, see what And I got to say, you know, as someone who follows your TikTok, it is really great content. You get to see not only you, but some of your family as well. And the thing, your, your behind-the-scenes life, your personal life, which is really interesting stuff. I appreciate that. I got one today. My I don't know when this is going out, but I have uh, my review of Ben Shapiro's review of Barbie. Uh, <laughs> I didn't I watch it, really yet, but yeah. I saw a picture of his ridiculous outfit trying to. Yep. I don't know what he was trying to do with that. But please uh, come check that one out. Yes, yeah, please. I will. All right, Jay. Thanks again for being here, man. Always, Mike. Anytime you want me, I'm here, buddy. That is all for this week. Thank you so much to Jay Black for being my guest. Here's the voice of a quintuple amputee. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. To listen to episodes ad-free and a week early, support us on Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash Michael Kent. If you learned something just now that you didn't already know, go to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works. I don't know what an algorithm is, but just do it. See you next week for a brand new episode of The Internet Says It's True! The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Sean Brown, Joshua Endress, Dallas Ray, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Jim and Joanne Martin, Mitch and Andrew Joseph Kemplin, and the show's official emperor, KickTrack. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and all audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. 